My next guest is an emergency registered nurse. She's been on the front lines and helping people all throughout this crisis. Please welcome Elizabeth Neese. Elizabeth, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. So just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. So let's jump right into it. What do you do? Well, uh, about a year ago, I graduated from nursing school, second degree, bachelor's degree, and I work as an emergency room nurse in Pearland for HCA, which is Hospital Corporations of America, in their emergency room. Nice. And emergency RN, is that what they also call it as well? Correct. So, Correct. Okay. So now with that, when I think of that, I think of what I see on the TV and based on TV, I see those situations where you, know, you have these trauma-related issues and serious cases, people running in and out all day and you're having to run in, jump in and evaluate and treat these patients simultaneously. Is that happening all day or is that just movies? I mean, I've, I've yet to perform CPR on a moving <laughs> okay. uh, stretcher and I don't get blurred out when I'm walking really fast like <laughs> they do in the, in the sitcoms, but so it, it does get intense. There are times where you have what can be your current most critical patient can very quickly become your not most critical patient and you have to switch gears very quickly. Wow. Right now, it's, it's, really, it's really special right now because we're in the midst of a global pandemic. And right. so the emergency room looks very different today than it did if we were doing this interview maybe four months ago. Right. We're seeing a very different different patient population and a much higher acuity level than we're used to seeing. But yeah, I work in a small emergency room, but we're very busy, even when it's not in the middle of a global pandemic. And it's a very high adrenaline job about 70% of the time. Wow. Wow. And so pre-COVID, what were the usual cases that you were seeing? You know, pre-COVID, a lot of a lot of people uh, don't or maybe they do realize, I don't know, but I didn't realize before working in the emergency room that there's a big majority of the population who use the emergency room as their general practitioner. Mm. They, they don't go to see their PCP and they are someone who has multiple comorbidities like diabetes and renal disease and hypertension. And they are an underserved portion of our population who use the emergency room to get treated for these chronic comorbidities. And so there's a lot of patients who come in who are in a hypertensive crisis and need ID medication to bring their blood pressure down. People who are diabetic who have been off of their diabetic medication, whether it be insulin or oral medication for months, and they're now diabetic ketoacidosis. So there's those people and then there's a group of people who are coming in because their kid has a sore throat fever and a runny nose, or they've cut their hand. And then we get people who are in cardiac arrest who need CPR or have had some sort of major trauma, and we can't we cannot take care of them, but we will get them either life flighted out quickly or with ground transportation to our trauma hospital, which is Clear Lake. Okay. Now. You mentioned that one being one of your surprises coming there and, and seeing that actually people are using this as their PCP. Are there any other surprises you had coming into this? I didn't have an emergency room rotation in nursing school. We have a critical care component 
but I was in the ICU, uh, which is vastly different than the emergency room. The ICU is neat and tidy and very thoughtful and systematic, whereas the emergency room is a blender. I mean, it's, it's con- it can be really, really crazy. And I didn't, I didn't expect the, I don't, I, I don't know if intensity is the right word or just kind of organized chaos, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And, and really not knowing what's coming in the door next and thinking that what I see in front of me is one thing. And then very quickly it becomes something else where yeah. I think someone was here for abdominal pain and then because that's what's been reported to me by the nurse that's leaving and then I go and speak to the patient and they don't have abdominal pain they're actually nine months pregnant and they're in active labor Mm. and I need to get them assessed seen by the doctor in the heck out of my emergency room because we don't have women's services at my hospital and so just that level of not really knowing I guess what's 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 coming in right yeah that that's got to be it gets a little stressful at times, just having to think on your feet. But you did say that 75% of the time is that the high adrenaline. What, what about the other 25%? What would you say is going on then? We joked, actually joking the other day, because it's so crazy at work right now, that we miss cold and flu season. I, I, I miss kind of just swapping people for the flu and giving them some Tylenol and sending them right. on their way. And so the other part of that time is just people who really, something that they could be handled at a GP's office. Mm-hmm. or sometimes what's crazy in the emergency room is we're dead. Like there's nobody there and no one's checking in and we're all just kind of sitting around like wondering what can we stock or Mm -hmm. organize because there's nothing happening. And then within an hour we can have 15 patients check in and be completely full. So it's, it's this roller coaster of a day. Oh, so just one question I usually ask people is what's your typical day like? And, there is no way I can ask you that, <laughs> but but instead of typical day, what time do you get in? And besides dealing with patients, are there other things that you have to do also? And maybe some things that you didn't even think about that you had to do in your job, paperwork or clerical work or other, other things that you have to do besides dealing with patients? Yeah, the shift is seven to seven. I usually get there around 6.30 just so that I can put my stuff away and get ready and be on the floor by seven by 6.45. We do shift report between kind of 6.45, 7 and 7.15. It's different in the emergency room because we don't, before COVID, I should say before COVID, we don't hold patients there for a very long time. You come in, you get them stable, and then you either move them out of our hospital if they need a higher acuity of care, or we move them to the floor. ICU, intermediate care, or just the general floor. And so patient report is a lot quicker. It's kind of like, this is why they're here. This is where they have an IV and this is what's pending. Mm -hmm. I don't really care how their skin is, if they're not there for a skin issue. I don't need to know their whole life story. I just need to know why they're here. Right. And so that's, it's a lot quicker than on the floor. And then I usually go and assess my patients because sometimes what I've been told and what I see aren't always the same thing. And so I always like to have eyes on my patients to make sure that what I've been told and what I see coincide. And if they don't, then what do I need to do? And then it's just what needs to happen with those patients, make sure my rooms are fully stocked because depending on what room assignment, if you're assigned our trauma bay, you need to make sure that we have everything that's necessary to do resuscitation. Even if there's not, even if there's a patient currently there that's waiting to go like to the ICU, you need to make sure that that room is ready because in the next phone call from EMS could be 
someone who needs resuscitation and if your room's not ready it's on you i mean you're you are responsible for that room and then after my rooms are ready it's just getting those patients either discharged home moved to where they need to be moved to making sure they're stable and then the rest of the day i mean just depending on the day some days i'll hold the same patients all day long because there's nowhere to move them upstairs and we're waiting on discharges or if you're in kind of more of the fast track rooms, you'll 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 turn patients like 45 minutes to an hour. You'll have mm. new patients in that room, and then when they're ready to go upstairs, you have to call and give report upstairs to the nurses and let them know what's coming up. Mm. And I I think the biggest thing that kind of surprised me that I wasn't really expecting is just the level of customer service that's required. Like you're not only a nurse, but you're also you're providing customer service because they could just as easily go to Methodist or St. Luke's or Memorial Hermann. And so it is a business. And so you're, you're not only providing medical care, but you're also providing the same thing that you would do if you were a waitress or sales or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So with that, you talk about the customer service and this being such a fast paced, uh, stressful environment, which requires a unique skill set. One of them, you mentioned the uh, customer service, thinking on the fly. What are some skill sets or characteristics that you you believe are important to be successful in your line of business? I mean, specifically to emergency room nursing, I think that you need to be somebody who is okay with imperfection because it's it's never perfect. You just do the best you can in the amount of time that you have. And you have to be okay with sometimes things don't get done. And it wasn't because I didn't want them to get done. It's just, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't physically have the time to get that done plus everything else that I had to get done for all my other patients. And so sometimes you'll, you'll send a patient to the floor and the nurse upstairs isn't really happy with you because there's a to-do list that you're sending up and just being okay with, I did the best I could and I didn't do these things because they weren't important. It's just, they were less important than the 20 other things I had to get done right. and in having that skill set of building that relationship with the nurses upstairs so that they know that, Hey, you know what? Elizabeth's an awesome nurse. She, if she could have gotten this stuff done, she would have. And, and, and having that kind of building those relationships, I think is really important, but I think also just being someone who can remain calm mm-hmm. when everything around you is kind of falling apart because that happens sometimes and you just have to just what's the next what's the next right thing that I need to do and I'm going to do that and then what's the next right thing after that because it can get really overwhelming sometimes oh all right and now you you mentioned going to nursing school and you mentioned that you've only been doing this for a year can you talk about the steps Mm -hmm. you you took to get to where you are Sure. So um, I have a previous bachelor's degree. Um, I was a home economics teacher for all of one year um, and realized that I didn't like people's te- other people's teenagers when I was <laughs> 21 years old. And so I went and did a bunch of other things. And my late mother-in-law got very, very ill. She died of ovarian cancer several years back. And I was a stay-at-home mom and took care of her for a lot of that. And it kind of reawoken, I guess, the part of me that wanted to be a nurse when I was much younger, but I was too fearful of kind of if I had what it took. And so I just decided that I was going to go back to nursing school. And I didn't really know how it would turn out because I 
had a young child and ended up getting divorced. And but my ex-husband was very supportive of my decision to go back to school and was very helpful in making sure that we had I had childcare when I needed it. And it took me two years to do my prerequisites. And then I applied. I went to Texas Women's University. They have a two-year program where either you have already have a bachelor's degree or you've finished kind of the first two years of core uh, college history and English and all that stuff. And so it was just two years of nursing school with clinicals. And it was, it was hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, especially with a young child. But there was not one minute during that experience that I wasn't 100% sure that, that being a nurse was what I was supposed to be. And since then, even on the very worst days where I leave the emergency room in tears when I get in my car and it's just been such a hard day, I know without a doubt that I was, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. Wow. Now, that's great because you talked about having those doubts at first and knowing if you, you have what it took when you were younger and overcoming that and knowing that this is your passion and going with it. I, I love that. Yeah. When I was 18, 19, 20 years old and I was in college the first time, I had a lot of self-doubt if I had the the intelligence to take all of the sciences that I thought were or mm. that were involved. And I just, I had a lot of self-doubt. And honestly, I don't think I would have been as successful. I, I honestly don't know that I would have lasted as a nurse had I become a nurse at 22 years old. Mm. Because the difference between 22-year-old me and 38-year-old me, you know, that's a lot of life. And it's a lot of experience. And it's a lot of growth and, and just being really assured of who I am and, and dealing with really hard situations and coming out on the other side. All of which I think kind of gave me the self-confidence maybe the, to like go for <laughs> it and just know that like it was going to work out. You know? Right. And yeah. So I, I think that I'm a, a much... I'm much more equipped to be a good nurse today than I think I would have been 21 or 22 years old. All right. Uh, that's good yeah. perspective. Yeah. Well, well, you made it. You did it. That's great. Yeah. And that, <laughs> now, you mentioned in there, you talked about some days it's just being so rough where there are tears and just, just hard days. And I can definitely imagine. What what do you do? How do you cope with that when you get, when you get home or is there any stress relievers you do? And is it easy to just turn off when you go home, seeing some of the things that you see? You know, you know, I, I haven't seen, because I work in a small hospital, I haven't seen near what is out there. I have coworkers who've been in big trauma hospitals who've seen some, you know, really, really hard stuff, but I've had hard days where we've lost babies and, you know, we've had some hard situations come through the door or I've been yelled at by a patient because I didn't bring them the water they asked for. But the reason I didn't was because I was, you know, pro providing CPR on a patient for an hour. Right. And I think that when I, you asked one of the things that makes a good ER nurse, and that's the ability to compartmentalize, to be able to be in the middle of a CPR or be in the middle of a room with a patient and not, not put anything personal into the room. Right. It's probably a good and a bad trait, but I think it's a trait that's necessary. And I, I can keep that mindset until I leave. And then when I get home or when I get in the car, I won't even realize like how impactful the situation was until I have a minute to decompress and then it just kind of floods me. And, you know, my big thing is when I get home from work, whether it's been a hard day or an easy day, I just need like 20 minutes. Yeah. And especially right now because of COVID, my 20 minutes are spent scalding hot shower 
scrubbing my whole body down, making sure I don't bring COVID home to my family. Yeah. And, and then, you know, also I have, I have a great friend that I met in nursing school. She's an ER nurse at Methodist and we text a lot. And then I have great, great mentors at my emergency room who are there for me and who I can, I can go and talk to and work through the feelings. But you know, at the end of the day, it's just like, I need that 20 or 30 minutes to just kind of right. to decompress. Yeah. No, definitely yeah. important. Now, do you talk about what you love about what you do? First of all, I love where I work. Paraland HCA emergency room is super supportive. They do not eat their nurse, baby nurses alive. One woman in particular really took me under her wing, one of the charge nurses. And she put me in the, we call it the front rooms, like put me in trauma and, but also made sure I had the support that I needed while I was there. But so I, I love the people that I work with, but I also, I love, I love being there for someone on maybe one of their worst days. They're, whether they're there because they are sick and don't have anywhere else to go and they need an antibiotic and they don't have a PCP or they're, they're really, really sick and they've got COVID and they're terrified that they're, they're, that they're going to die. You know, I want to, I'm glad that I'm there because I want to not only provide them with great medical care, but I want them to, I want to be a part of that story. You know, yeah. I want them to leave that hospital and say, I don't remember her name, but this amazing nurse, she made me feel important or she made me feel safe or she made me feel better or assured or about or whatever the, you know, whatever they use to describe that interaction. Yep. You know, I want, I, I want to be a part of that story. Mm. And I, I hope that that's why most nurses become nurses, whatever they're, chosen profession. I hope that that's why they want to be a part of that person's journey. Well, I love that. You want to be there, being there for someone in, in, in their worst days and, and being that helpful impact for them. I love that. that. That's what you love about it. So what about challenges? What type of challenges or obstacles are, are out there for you? I think one of the challenges as, as a nurse is that we, we are limited in we're, we all, I only have so much control over the situation. You know, one of the biggest challenges right now um, with COVID is that we are holding patients in the emergency room. We're holding very sick patients in the emergency room because we don't have anywhere to send them. We don't have any rooms upstairs. We don't have any rooms at any other hospitals because they're all full. And so these patients are becoming frustrated and their families are frustrated. And, and, and I get that they're frustrated and it's, and it's sometimes it's hard to remember to put myself in this patient's shoes because I'm, I see the big picture. I'm like, at least you have a room, right. you know, there's, there's admitted patients who unfortunately are in a hallway bed who don't even have privacy. Like at least you have a, at least you have a room. Like, and so it's one of the biggest challenges I think for me is to remember that their little world is, is their little world. And they don't see the chaos that's going on and they maybe don't realize that they should be grateful or that, you know, we're doing the best we can, or they just don't see the big picture. And right. sometimes that's a really big struggle for me to, to remind myself that they, they don't know. And right. even if they do know, they don't care because it's all, it's at the end of the day, it's all about them at that moment. So that's, that's really hard. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. Now, what's the most memorable moment that you've had? Gosh. Hmm. You know, I don't know if it's the most memorable, but it's 
it's it's one of those one of those situations where I realized like kind of I don't know if it's not the impact, but just like that, you know, in the emergency room, you don't think like, oh, I'm going to see again. You think, let me get this patient stable. I'm going to move them on. And I'm in unless there's somebody who is there frequently, I'm never going to see you again. And I had taken care of a patient on Thanksgiving. Um, I actually worked Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and New Year's Day this year. I, I chose to do that. But I, I took care of a patient on, on Thanksgiving and elderly lady and her, her daughter was there and we, we talked and her and she went upstairs. And then I took care of another family on Thanksgiving Day. That Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, just a month later, I took care of both of those patients again. And both of those patients were like, oh my, why are you working again on a holiday? And I'm <laughs> like, oh my God, are you wearing, why are you here? <laughs> and, and it was, it was, I don't know if that was the most rewarding, but it was just, we had a connection. We had a relationship. Yeah. We talked yeah. before. They knew about my family. I knew about them and that they were now back again. And these aren't people who like use the emergency room like as their PCP. These are people who come to the emergency room because they're having a serious emergency. Right. And they were both back within days of each other again at the holidays and their family was there. And it was just kind of this, it almost put them at ease knowing that, Oh, Elizabeth took care of us before and she's yeah. here again. Yeah. I know you. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, it was, it was nice. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. That's yeah. nice. And that's the uh, customer service part of it. it you said that made yeah. them feel safe with you. Yeah. So that's great. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're towards the end of this interview, and I want to ask some quick hitter questions for you for, for fun, for people to get to know you a little bit better. But before we do that, though, is there anything additional that you want to talk about or anything I might have missed asking you? No, I mean, really, the only thing I'd like to say right now is put a mask on, and it's not a political statement. Just put a mask on, wear it when you go out, uh, and be safe, even if even if you're not someone who's in the uh, in one of the categories of high risk, just put a mask on. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So let's go. First question. What's your favorite sports team? Astros. All right. Okay. <laughs> favorite movie or show? Uh, Big Bang Theory. Ah, yeah. I never really got into that, but everybody, everyone loves it. Favorite musical artist or group? George Strait. Oh, all right. Favorite vacation spot? Mm, the mountains. And last but not least, favorite food or drink? Oh, food, uh, Mexican and uh, vodka. All right. <laughs> well, hey, Elizabeth, thanks so much for uh, joining the podcast, especially on your vacation. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah. And uh, have a go. Oh, before we go, is there any way that people can get in touch with you if they have questions or anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can email me. Um, my first name is Elizabeth. My last name is uh, Niece in like Nancy E-E-S-E at iCloud.com. Great. Thanks again. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.